Hey, if you're enjoying this show, uh, consider supporting us on our Patreon. You can get cool perks like access to these episodes a week before they go public, and you can pick an album for us to review. Any support is greatly appreciated, so if you feel inclined, go to patreon.com slash polyphonicpress. This is Polyphonic Press, the podcast where two music fans pick a classic album completely at random and analyse it track by track. Using the patented random album generator, they are given an album to review from a curated list of over 1,000 classic releases spanning multiple genres. And now onto the show. Here are your hosts, Jeremy Boyd and John Van Dyke. Hey, welcome to Polyphonic Press. I'm Jeremy Boyd. And I'm John Van Dyke. And uh, basically, if you don't know how the show works, we have no idea what album we're going to be listening to. Uh, we have a um, program uh, queued up to uh, help us pick the album. So all we have to do is hit the button and see what album we're going to listen to. So let's go ahead and do that. See what we're going to listen to this week. So the album we're going to be listening to is Leonard Skinnerd, uh pronounced Leonard Skinnerd or Leonard Skinnerd, I guess. Yes, so this is their debut album uh, by the American band Leonard Skinner, released in 1973. Several of the album's songs remain among the band's be- uh, most well-known, excuse me, including uh, Gimme Three Steps, Simple Men, Tuesday's Gone, and Freebird, the last of which launched the band into national stardom. Uh, the album was certified gold on December 18th, 1974, and double platinum on July 21st, 1987. Um, most of the songs on the album had been used in the band's live repertoire for some time. The band found a rural rehearsal space near Jacksonville, Florida, which they nicknamed Hell House, uh, due to the long hours spent there jamming in the, the intense Florida heat. And it was there that they composed and ran through the songs endlessly until they perfected, until they were perfected. Uh, producer Al Cooper marveled at how well prepared the band were once they entered the studio. Uh, every note was immutable and absolutely no improvisation was allowed. Cool. Um, so I'm pretty sure uh, where Leonard Skinner got their name is their gym teacher. Uh, was named Le- Leonard Skinner. Leonard Skinner. Oh, I was think. it Skinner? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but was a gym teacher? I heard either principal or another, I don't know. So, uh, someone at their school, at their high school, was named Leonard Skinner. Someone of authority. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's... Okay, so the first song on the album is called I Ain't One. ending um, it was a pretty, yeah it's a pretty decent song they yeah. are a good band <laughs> they are you know i was never a huge skinnerd fan yeah um but i think you know hearing that i i think i appreciate them more than i did because you know you you hear Freebird and sweet home alabama on the radio and it's like yeah okay i know i get tired of those songs pretty quick um Freebird's pretty good. Um, no, it's good. It's just it's yeah. played a lot. 
Yeah. Um, well, Sweet Home Alabama is way more overplayed. And yeah. The song kind of annoys me on a couple different fronts, but yeah, it, 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 it's also on the overplayed side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the, it's more so not the Skinnerd. It's sort of the the crowd that they attract. I think yeah. is the uh, um, uh, you know, it's not the band I hate. It's their fans. Yeah, but I don't hate their. You know, it, it's just people that I wouldn't necessarily hang out with. Yeah. Um, but no, that first track on this one for sure. Yeah, that's top quality. Yeah. And you could tell that they had that down pat. It there 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 wasn't anything there was there's nothing sloppy about it and and yet it's still every note carried the the emotion. It didn't sound like it yeah. was over rehearsed. It sounded like it was it still carried like the every power or every every note carried the uh, you know, maximum power behind it. it it's just they nailed that one. Yeah. 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 It sounded like they, they had rehearsed it, but they didn't, um, like it's not sloppy, but it's, it's not mechanical uh, either. It's not mechanical either. Right. It's, it doesn't lose its feeling. It's right. that sweet spot. Um, which, uh, if you've ever played in a band or played any music, that's, it takes a long time to get that to that point. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of work to get there. So I, you know, yeah, absolutely. I respect that. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the uh, the next song is called "Tuesday's Gone." This is a song that I do know because this uh, <laughs> this is a song that was played throughout the uh, movie Happy Gilmore. That was on that soundtrack. So mm. I've, that's where I first heard. I think that might be the first time I ever heard of Leonard Skinner. But uh, anyway, this is uh, "Tuesday's Gone." Okay. Um I have some thoughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um it was a good song. Yep. Um but there were some problems with it. Mainly um the vocals were too low in the mix. So I couldn't really hear the vocals very well. The instruments were too high and the vocals were kind of buried. And um I think some of the middle section the in- instrumental bit could have been cut down a little bit it was a little too repetitive yeah this, I, I was gonna say the song is it's a seven and a half minutes long and it's a little repetitive i think i remember first time i was hearing that or at least you know back when in like high school when i was when I would put on the album occasionally, I would still think this song was a little on the repetitive side. I remember thinking by the time it's getting to the end, I'm going, okay, it's been on too long. This song, I want to move on to the next one. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Um, I mean, not the, it's not terrible. No, but it's not their best. It's not quite up to the standard of say their first one, which is honestly first song was just kind of perfect. Yeah. Really good way to kick off the album. Yeah. Um, and this song, it's, uh, it's not a bad song. It's just, it just needs some of the fat trimmed off of it. Yeah. Um, and, and there's something about that, uh, I think it's a a keyboard sound, which on its own, I mean, it's very of of the seventies, 
but it's got that sort of like uh, I don't know what the effect is, but it's got that new 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 new. Well, I think um, that's when a you, twelve string guitar. That's not twelve string. That doesn't sound anything like a twelve string. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure it's a guitar. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a twelve string. Anyway, it okay. has that sort of like pew pew sound to it. And when you're gonna do a seven minute song, you try to stay away from mm-hmm. potentially annoying sounds like that. Yeah. And especially if you're going to go through them over and over again. Yeah. Just little, little things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah Other than that song's largely fine. I mean, yeah, it's, um, it just needs some, some work, I guess. Yeah. And you know, I mean, you can, um, slag it all you want or whatever, but Freebird is, uh, a little longer than this, but it, it goes through different um, phases. Phases, exactly. Yeah. It's it just it, you know it starts off slow and then it speeds up as it goes. It on. keeps your attention a whole lot better. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas this, it's the same chords over and over, and it's that same the same sounds. You know, the guitar work. The the guitar player was playing pretty good on it. Um, like they're, they're all playing well. It's just, yeah, that, it's the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. That bendy thing is actually sort of a neat, um, trick and it's, it's really neat. But again, it's one of those things that it gets repeated and then it sort of becomes one of those grating sounds yeah. after seven and a half minutes. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, so I would put this in a uh, category of it's good song, just, you know, not, not great. Uh, anyway. Um, needs, uh, needs a radio edit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next song I think was maybe the first single from the album. Uh, mm. It's uh, Give Me Three Steps. Well, that one was better. Yeah. <laughs> that was cool. I like the um the double string guitar like the Chuck Berry kind of guitar sound. Yeah. That's that's really well done. Um and the the I like the uh the congos in there. Mm. Those were um I didn't really notice them at first but it's like oh those that that's doing the job that percussion is supposed to do just kind of add the icing on the cake. Yeah. Sort of. Gives it a little extra energy in the background, yeah. Yeah. Um, which, uh, you know, considering the story they're telling, it makes sense. It sort of adds that extra tension going on in the back. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. No, this was uh, a vast improvement over the last song. Um, you know, and it's, um, I think this is a, one of their more popular songs, too. Like, it's... Yeah. It was a big hit for them. One of, I'm Probably their first hit. I think it was really. their first major hit. Yeah. Um yeah, great song. I uh I don't really have much else to say about it. I mean, um yeah, I don't really know what else. I mean, Southern I feel like Southern rock kind of gets um sort of dismissed sometimes. Um you know, yeah, depending on who you're talking to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, they just see it as, you know, rowdy rednecks. Um, and that might be true, but mm-hmm. sometimes they're still really talented. <laughs> yeah. As the case may be. I mean, it's still really good rock and roll. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I feel like it doesn't get taken as as seriously as some other, you know. I, I, and I don't know. I mean, um, maybe it's my perspective, but I, I don't know if, especially Skinner, I don't feel like they get the respect that that um, that other bands do. Like maybe the Almond Brothers, you know, kind of overshadowed them a little bit in terms of. Uh, you know, because because the Allman Brothers are seen as as um, have the more respect, and I don't think Leonard Skinner really quite has that. You know what I mean? Like with I critics, think I know what you mean. You it's know. weird. I think Leonard Skinner's more well known, but yeah, Leonard, but but um, all the Allman Brothers seem to have uh, yeah, more a more critical acclaim, I guess. Yeah, more critical acclaim, and yeah, more respect amongst other uh, uh, musicians and audiophiles and whatnot yeah and i don't know why that is maybe it's just the the image of maybe yeah i don't know it's weird it's it's people are weird with their music man (laughs) yeah well (laughs) people like what they like so that's very true anyway the uh the next song is uh, Simple Man. I know this song. This was yeah. covered by someone else, a newer band, maybe 10, 15 years ago, or 20 years ago, I guess now. Maybe. I don't remember who. But uh, anyway, uh, the next song up is uh, Simple Man. See, that's the way I wanted Tuesday's Gone to be mixed. Yeah. With the vocals front and center and the band supporting that rather than being rather than the vocals being buried in the mix. Right. That's yes. how it should have been done. Um that was a that was a good song. I know I've known that song. Um I've heard it I don't know where. Um you know, it's almost as long as Tuesday's Gone, but it's it was a little repetitive, but it it was still interesting. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, they cut the fat out of that one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't uh, drone on and on and on, and there's nothing particularly annoying that repeats itself, right? Like Tuesdays Gone does. Like it doesn't yeah. have that um, um that weird sort of chimey keyboard sound, yeah, and that. Uh, and the bendy guitar, which is actually kind of cool, but gets it's kind too of, much of it. <laughs> yeah, it's too much of, much of it. Thing. I mean, it gives that sort of wow, 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 and it makes you feel dizzy after a while. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and this song, it, it's um, it has some dynamics in it. It you know starts off slower and it kind of builds into something a little more intense. The tempo doesn't change, but it's the uh, I guess the intensity or the uh, the tension kind of builds towards the end. Right. You know. Um so that was interesting as well. The, yeah, this was I would say this was miles ahead of uh of Tuesday's Gone. I mean, I and, and um you know, it's just the 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 band playing. It's um I feel like the other song Tuesday's Gone was a little overproduced. Like there was too, also too much going on. A little um, bit. you know, whereas this, this was a little more, you know, no pun intended. This was a little more simple, simple production, um, yep. where it's just exactly what the song needs. Nothing more. Um, whereas uh, the other song, I feel like they, 
they just kind of got a little carried away. <laughs> yeah. You know, a little too self-indulgent, I guess. Um, because, you know, and I'm sure that the, the, the lyrics of that song are good and they're, you know, they mean something, but with this song, because the vocals are so present, the feeling of the song is much more clear. Yep. You know, at least that's how I see it. I don't know. No, I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, you can concentrate when when a song wants to like shut off your brain. It's not, I mean, other than maybe, uh, you know, psychologically ingraining into your head somehow. I don't know. But for the most part, you're not paying very close attention to what they're even trying to get across. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, in songs like, uh, like I ain't the one or give me three steps, uh, the lyrics almost don't really matter because it's just a, you know, it's a rock and roll song. Right. Um, but where, when you're slowing it down a little bit, you want the, uh, audience to pay attention, maybe not necessarily even all the lyrics, but you want them to pay attention to the vocals. So they at least get the idea of the emotion behind the song. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. I kind of cut you off there. Are you? No, it's fine. I think I got my point across and you did. Cool. All right. So, um, let's move on to the next song. This is a pretty short album, only eight songs. Um, but uh, the next song is called things going on. That was cool. I like that. Um, Yeah. That's a decent one. Yeah, that I think maybe that might be my favorite so far. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I I think that first one actually kind of hit yeah. me up the side of the head, and I was just like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, that might be the best thing I've ever heard them do." Yeah, and I we have I have the album here at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't put it on in a long time, but I'd forgotten how good that first song is. Right. Um. Yeah, it's just. It's kind of perfect, and I don't know if they've ever put out anything that quite hits me the same way as that one does. Yeah, honestly, but uh, yeah, no, there's definitely some good stuff going on, and mm-hmm. things going on is some things going on. Yeah, um, yeah, this was a little more, um, like a, I guess a country blues kind of thing. Yeah, um, which was cool, um. And maybe that's why I like it. It's a bit of a, this is weird to say, but I don't expect <laughs> country and blues from Leonard Skinner. <laughs> like that, that, um, blatant, I guess. I don't know. Mm. Um, I uh, just I thought of them as more of a rock and roll band. Yeah. This is pretty par for the course for them though. Yeah. Um, that's and true. considering where they're from, uh, country and blues is from that area too. I mean, and and rock and roll was basically sort of a a, a marriage of country and blues to yeah. begin with. So, yeah, that's actually that's actually a good point. Um, where like where they're from uh, is uh, they're f- I don't know if there was something in the water because they're from uh, northern Florida. Yeah, and there were so many artists that made it big from that region. There was these guys, um, Steven Stills, 
uh, obviously Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, um, uh, Allman Brothers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of bands that, um, that came out of that region. Um, in the a lot of quality talent throughout the 70s. Talent. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, yeah, especially in that early 70s through mid 70s sort of period. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Um, well, Stephen Stills was even earlier than that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I guess um, there's just a, a, a music scene there. Yeah. Most of it's, uh, you know, they kind of go off and do other things. But uh, you, you do notice it seems to be an area where people will kind of uh, conglomerate to, uh, you know, woodshed for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before they have to, like, rock it off to L.A. to record or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's definitely uh, an interesting thing. Yeah. It's, you know, when you think about, um, you know, you, there's the obvious music scenes like throughout the States. There's, you know, New York and right. Detroit and Seattle and different pockets throughout the years have had different things, but nobody really ever talks about uh, Florida. Um, but there's, for some reason, there's, there's, um, a Don Felder from the Eagles, uh, mm. is another one. Um, yeah, I, for some reason, that's just that area, Northern, North, particularly Northern Florida, a lot of rock bands came out of that area. Um, but it, it never really gets talked about the other, the way that other music scenes did. Yep. So, yeah. There's probably lots of places like that, though, if you really, you know, go through the list of everybody out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's kind of, um, it kind of reminds me of the area that we grew up in a little bit in terms of it being a rural area. There's not a lot to do. What do you do? Start a band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. There's a yeah. certain amount of that. You know. So, yeah. And a bunch of rednecks hanging around and you don't want to, you don't want them to beat you up. So you entertain them with music. Right. <laughs> you know? True. That's, I mean, that's kind of our area. Yeah. You know? <laughs> In a lot of ways. Yes. It's, yeah. Uh, there's parallels for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on to the, uh, we got three songs left. The, uh, the next song is called Mississippi Kid. I don't know what that was at the end. I think it was just a snare drum. Yeah. But I don't know why. It sounded like a machine gun or something. I don't know. I think it's meant to be sort of like mimicking like a rattlesnake or something like that. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Or something like that. At least that's sort of, it was a really strange sound and I actually thought it was like, we're suddenly going to be jumping into the next song or something like that. But yeah. But I think it's a rattlesnake sort of thing that they're trying to do. Yeah. Anyway, that was cool. I like that. I like the mandolin and the, just the uh, the front porch yeah, sort of feel of it. That uh, Appalachian folk yeah. sort of feel to it. Yeah. No, that was that was cool. Sort of uh, acknowledging the roots, I guess. It sort of reminded me of uh, some of the things you might hear on uh, some of the Led Zeppelin albums. Yeah, in some of their later things where there were less. You know, 
less straight up like uh, electric blues, mm-hmm. you know, hard rock sort of thing where they would actually experiment with things. Um, you know, they pulled out the mandolins and banjos and whatever and, and decide to do some, some stuff like that. But they're yeah. thinking more of like rural, you know, England, whereas this is very rural U.S. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's the, it's funny. It's the mandolin is actually, it's an odd instrument, you know, it's an Italian instrument. Right. Um, but it, you know, if it's played a certain way, it evokes like, um, you know, Italian, uh, Italian music, but if it's played in another way, it sounds like the American South. Right. Um, or rural England. Or rural England, <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it, it, it made its way around and it, and it got uh, incorporated into all sorts of different sort of rootsy uh, folk music. Yeah. Uh, from different, you know, locations of the world. And I'm sure it's, it's um, I, I just, I wonder how that happened. Like, was it like immigrants from Italy coming over and just, you know? I think it, I think it probably migrated to England first. Mm, oh, okay, that makes sense. And yeah. then it came over with, um, yeah, probably, yeah, a lot of immigrants from that uh, British Isles area, and and then it just sort of you know became adopted, and and, and the mandolins began. They were around when uh, people started doing their, uh, you know, music production when they're around and they had their banjos and uh, believe it or not, the guitar didn't come along till later. So the mandolin was actually around first mm-hmm. um, along with banjos. And before the guitar was popular, apparently the banjo was really popular. Yeah. Uh, it was the popular instrument in the very early 20th century. The guitar kind of slowly took over after. Mm-hmm. Well, and even in, um, in uh you, you know it's funny you think about uh it's funny how the way music is in terms of w- like the the different regions it travels to because you know you say like uh, the mandolin coming to from Italy to England and then England over to the United States and then the guitar kind of you know taking over and then in the 50s there was a style of music called skiffle, which is sort of like rock yeah. and roll, but it's very influenced by like um, American um, like bluegrass. And right. uh, it's funny how like the instruments, you know, came from England to the U S and then it was influencing the, 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 the Americans did something different with it. And then, that influenced the people in England to do absolutely that. You know, it's just kind of like like ping ponging back and forth. Yeah, uh-huh. but yeah, it's got partly to do with that uh, the evolution of the instrument and whatnot too. Um, guitar being a Spanish instrument primarily, mm-hmm. it's got you know relations to like some lutes that you would have found in like medieval England. Though honestly, they're closer related to like, uh. I can't remember what they call some of those things, but you can still get them, especially if you, you know, you know, you're in the scene for like, you know, traditional uh, folk music or something like that. But uh, for the most part, the the guitar 
as it was, was, was a Spanish in, uh, instrument. And it seemed to have come over probably with, um, you know, the Spanish and Portuguese, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? When they occupied the, uh, lower, um, North America and, and you know, the Southern Americas and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so the guitar kind of migrated north from there and then kind of took over um, right. and then made its way back to England. So mm-hmm. things are kind of moving in different directions. Yeah. It's um, like it's a triangle the way, of yeah. you know, influence. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's fascinating how that kind of happens. It's, it's, um, I forget what I was going to say, but basically, yeah, it's, it's like, um, you can hear an instrument and it's played in a certain way and you know, it it's reminds very me. evocative of its region. Right. Yeah. But if you played it in another way, it's evocative of that region. And right. even the guitar, I mean, you know, you Spanish guitar doesn't sound anything like Jimi Hendrix. Nope. But it's the same instrument. Basically. You know. I mean, and it's very crude rudimentary form yes yeah. it definitely evolved over the years though <laughs> yeah oh yeah when they yeah. started like putting jolts of electricity into it there was a <laughs> lot of evolution to go through yeah but yes yeah we could we could get into the whole history of absolutely it. <laughs> you know we don't want to do that right now but uh anyway moving on to the uh the second to last song this is a, a song called poison whiskey Okay, I think I have a new favorite. That one, I think that's my probably my second favorite. Yeah. It doesn't beat the very first song, but that one is definitely like the closest it's come. Yeah. That's a really good song. That's a really good song. Really good groove. Um, I like the combination of the organ and the guitar. Yeah. Um, that, it, I was, the, the song is very, it reminded me of like the James Gang. Yes. Uh, Funk 48, Funk 49 sort of thing they're doing there. Yeah. Um, but that organ actually reminded me of like, it sounded a lot like uh, my dad's bands oh, yeah. back in the day. So um, Dave, his organ playing sounded a lot like that and how it would be like blend seamlessly with like the rest of the band. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's just a really cool sound. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just, uh, yeah, just like a... Almost like a Chicago blues, I guess. Um, a little bit, but swampier. Bit, but swampier, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else. I mean, that's just those. Yeah, you're right. Those two songs, the first one and this one, is are the the two best songs on the album, um, by far. <laughs> you know? um, not to say the other ones aren't great, but you know, yeah, there's a couple of like. Uh... I don't know. Maybe it's just the way we're programmed, but we have a tendency to like stuff that doesn't quite make it the radio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was a little too hard edged for the average listener or something like that. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible. I don't know. Right. I will, I will never figure out the record industry and the decisions that they make. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, we can sort of follow the logic a little bit to a point. Yeah, but but particularly why it does, yeah, where where some things are, we're always just a little bit off center for what 
makes it like really popular and 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 it just always comes off a little bit strange is like that's the one you picked yeah that's the one everybody i guess it it it, it sounds like the thing that would make would be popular but it doesn't it never resonates with us the same yeah. way yeah. Well, what about track five you should have put track five out <laughs> track <laughs> five is great yeah 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 um so we've arrived at the final song on the album and it is um probably i mean it's the common joke that every that's people yell at, at things to be funny yeah, they, and it's they, not funny. Oh, I honestly a little you know funny. I, you know what <laughs> I think was be, it was funny. funny. <laughs> you know what I think would be funny though. What when if someone yells out "Freebird," you actually play it. Oh yeah, well you know, yeah, because 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 when people yell out "Freebird," they don't expect the band to actually play it. They're just being an asshole. <laughs> so I think it would be funny. To actually play the full nine minute version if someone yells it out. Yeah. Well, heck. Oh, geez. I was suddenly remembering um, there's footage of uh, sometime in the early 80s, there's um, an RBQs playing a bar and they're playing um, um, the Edmund Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just sort of like, you know, playing it around. They're not entirely taking it completely serious. And of course, it's a super long song. And the audience is like pelting things at the band <laughs> because they want them to sort of end. Yeah. And then finally the band ends and then the, the crowd is cheering for them to come back on. <laughs> so then they come back on and start up the Edmund Fitzgerald from the again. beginning <laughs> and are already pelting things at the band again. <laughs> and you can just see it in this, especially uh, Terry Adams eyes. You could just yeah. say that he's just enjoying trolling the audience at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, that's funny. Anyway, uh, so here we go. Here yep. is Freebird. So the difference between that song and Tuesday's Gone mm-hmm. is so like half of that song is the the instrumental jam at right. sort of the ending. And it is the same three chords, that ascending chord pattern underneath everything. But um the guitars are the the lead guitars are um changing things up just enough to keep you wondering oh what are they going to do next mm-hmm. and the rest of the band is changing things up like halfway through the drummer you know he's playing um like you know playing with the crash symbol and then he switches to like um like what Ringo does on get back like that kind of galloping military right. thing so the the intensity is building so that that changes and uh there was also a point where the whole band drops out and it was just the lead guitars playing so there's enough changes that although it's the same chords repeating through the whole thing there's enough things changing that it keeps you interested yeah um rather than you know just kind of no dynamics and um just kind of playing the same thing over and over and over exactly and uh yeah and it's still got that similar like power ballad thing going in the first 
half of the song. Yeah. But it's not too long. Right. Um, and, and uh, you know, if you're listening for the first time, you don't expect that song to suddenly turn into what it eventually turns into. And the I transition know. is very, very smooth. Yeah. It's kind of beautiful, actually. I, I, rem- I actually remember the first time I heard this song. Yeah. I was in uh, our basement. Um, I think my dad had uh, Q107 on. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I was downstairs just on the computer doing something and the radio was on in the background and I, the song came on and I had heard Tuesday's Gone cause it was in that Happy Gilmore movie. Right. So I was already kind of familiar with that song, and, but I hadn't heard that song in a while. So I thought, I thought this was that song. Right. Because it has a similar intro. Right. And, um, but then once that, the, yeah, the jam started, I, I distinctly remember turning around and looking at the radio. (laughs) I don't know Mm. what I was looking at, but I remember I, all of a sudden my attention was focused on the music. It's like, what is this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was like a triple guitar threat. Plus there's the, that acoustic going on underneath. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, it's uh like I I I always kind of got the popularity of this song, mm-hmm. um, because it is it is kind of epic, mm-hmm. um, but that's kind of why it became sort of like a joke, yeah. Um, because I think for a while there it was a popular song to uh, cover, yeah, for a bit. Well, I I can imagine I can see why. I mean, yeah. first of all, for a band for a guitar player to play this song. It just to let loose for five minutes. I mean, uh, yeah, th- that's it's in, indult self indulgent, but it's also fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah, if you can pull it off, absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, it's uh, there was another movie, and it's it's more recent, but I th- actually if it's it's probably closer to about fifteen years old now, um, if not a little older. Um, it's got. Orlando Bloom and uh, Kirsten Dunst in it. And I'm trying to remember what the movie's called. But uh, at one point, uh, his cousin, there's like this family reunion and his, Susan Sarandon's in it too. Oh, is anyway, it um, Elizabethtown? It might be it. That might be it. Anyway, his cousin has finally got his band together and they start playing this song. <laughs> and they've got like this model bird hanging over their <laughs> the stage thing but yeah. anyway i think they've got like flash pots go off or something like that sets the bird on fire and <laughs> it starts swinging and sets the <laughs> venue on fire and right. yeah it's and they're still playing the song through it like right. during the you know epic guitar solo part so it's yeah. just like chaos mm-hmm. with a you know a a theme music going on behind it's it's <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty good anyway it's pretty funny yeah um yeah i can definitely like if i were in a band i probably wouldn't cover this song just because of that because it's sort of cliche at this point i guess right you know but like i said if someone yelled it out i think it would be funny to actually play the whole thing because yeah you know they're just being an asshole and i think it would be funny just to to do it 
<laughs> no, a- what you what you do is that you continue on the first half of the song for as long as you can. Yeah. And and as they're in, expecting the solo to come up, it never quite comes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You have a clock. Yeah, you it have starts a clock to sound more counting, like Tuesday's gone. Yeah, or you have a clock above the stage and it's counting down because they everybody knows that it's what is it nine minutes long. So you yeah. have a clock counting down nine minutes. So they know so you have this certain amount of time, but you only play the ballad part for nine minutes. <laughs> that would be brilliant. <laughs> it's people off so much. Yeah. 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 Trolling. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a cliche at this point, Freebird, but it it's it's you know it is a when quality you actually it, when yeah, when you actually listen to it, you I you know definitely appreciate it. And you know, appreciating the cause the like I said earlier, when in the description of the album, there was no improvisation allowed. Right, they had to have everything worked out. So that means that they had all those parts that in are in Freebird. They worked those out beforehand. They weren't like just coming up with it. They actually sat down and planned everything out. So, um, so which is I sort mean, of interesting. It's interesting. It's yeah that that I'm sure they're great you know, um, musicians and they could improvise, but it's 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 a hard thing to. Um, I just didn't want it to sound sloppy, I think. Yeah, ex- exactly. But it's it's hard to to plan something out and make it sound improvised. Right. You know. Um so Yeah, you it know, takes a playing with a lot of uh it takes a, a certain amount of like uh playing confidence to pull that off yeah. for sure. And and that's why I don't think they get the like I was saying other like I don't think they get the respect that they deserve it's like they uh, they're actually really really capable not just musicians but you know um song writers and arrangers mm-hmm. yeah and sometimes they hit and sometimes they don't as evidence with yeah, but songs on this album but so most yeah. bands are like that yeah yeah so yeah and and but not most bands can't quite pull off like yeah most a lot of bands, their great peaks aren't as like high. They they come with all the ups and downs, but the ups aren't necessarily as up as yeah. this band's up periods were. Mm-hmm. If you get what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, and, and then unfortunately their career was cut short because of the uh plane crash, but you know, yep. that's and apparently, like, what's his name was supposed to, you know, get buried wearing a Neil Young t-shirt. Yeah, they were always that was a was, rumor. I don't think that's I, true. Yeah, I don't think it actually happened. He said he was gonna do it, but I don't think it wound up happening. I think that was just a, you know, something he said to the press. Just probably, to, you know, have fun with them. <laughs> apparently, Neil Young never cared about any of this stuff. He was he actually at one point played the song um, um sweet home alabama oh yeah no he had no ill feelings towards them he actually liked yep. the song yeah you know like he he wasn't mad or anything no you know, you know it, it's funny i think there was more animosity on their end than on his end he just didn't care <laughs> well, 
yeah well i think i think their their thing was um you know i think they took offense to neil young saying i think they maybe misinterpreted what neil young was trying to say and i think they thought that he was saying all southern people were racist and i think that's where they were kind of like wait a minute no we're not you know i think yeah that's it could be kind of what they were i think that's what they were angry about it's like you're you know you're kind of you know stereotyping us yeah which i don't think was like i've always thought that i don't think that was his intention but i think that's how they interpreted it yeah maybe it was like there's southern man and 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 alabama and and i've i've always said that i thought southern man was a better song than Mm -hmm. sweet home alabama and that's just a personal opinion yeah um i just thought it was a bit a more well-written song and uh, there was another inter um no what was it there was a documentary about um and i wish i could remember her name because this is so unfair and the documentary was basically about her but not strictly about her it was about like um uh black backup singers who are like involved with uh you know recording things and and they had like uh is that called like 20 feet from stardom or something like that? Yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah. Anyway, I think they, um, anyway, she was, she was actually a backup singer on the, uh, on Sweet Home Alabama mm-hmm. and she felt very uncomfortable with, you know, I mean, she was more well aware of all this history that, that Neil Young was singing about in this stuff. Yeah. And she later on would play, South, uh, sing Southern Man, her own version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she always felt a little bit uncomfortable with that. But yeah, she was involved with all sorts of stuff. She was the one. She was singing. Yeah, she was on the uh, the Rolling Stone. She was the one on uh, "Give Me Shelter," and she was singing the oh. rape murder part. <laughs> oh, was um yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, her. I think her name is Mary. Yes, Mary something. Mary and. Clayton or something like that? Something like that. I, but her, um, she actually like recorded hits, but the hits were credited to somebody else mm. at some point. Sort of and like that a, was in the 60s. Like a Millie Vanilli situation? Mm, sort of. I think it was like, it was a well-known band that this song that she, because again, her, her voice was somewhat similar to some of these others. Mm-hmm. But when they released the song, they released it under the name of this other band. Oh, okay. Because they figured they could probably, you know, make more money off it with this band attached to it than her name, mm. which is just dirty and conniving and sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you that know, happened. You know, it's funny. We talk about um, how the record industry has gotten greedy and 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 all that but they've always been terrible of course you know they've always oh no they've they've been you know you know as as soon as anybody figures they can make money on it they'll try to figure out any way to make money on it yeah and and not all of them are very honest no so yeah no it's uh i mean look just you know, look at the, I mean, since rock and roll started, it's the record industry has been corrupt. (laughs) Right. And it's, uh, it hasn't gotten better. They've just gotten more clever with how to get away with it. Unfortunately, they've become less experimental. They don't want to, 
Yeah. I mean, it really, well. it takes an outsider to come out and do something. And then the industry goes, oh, that's really popular now. Everybody has to do that. Yeah. And no deviation from it. Exactly. And, and Until it, it, people get bored with it and they move on to the next thing. But I've, I've noticed that with like almost every in- industry out there. I mean, you even look at like cars and, 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 and furniture and, and stuff like everything is white or washed out gray. It's just like they're afraid to put color in anything or they're afraid to do a line that's at all, you know, off-putting to anybody. Yeah. Everything has to be like all appealing across the board. Mm-hmm. And they're afraid that if they do anything that gives it like any character that they'd alienate too big of a of the population to make money off of them. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's kind of bullshit because it doesn't necessarily work that way. But I've noticed that with trends, it's like most of these industries are, they've gotten to the point where they are afraid to take any chances now because they have to maximize profits to the very, like everything is calculated to such a degree that everything has to be like, you know, mass appeal and mass appeal is very, you know, boring. (laughs) too much of it for sure absolutely anyway we've gotten way off topic no but i mean it's yeah yeah no i know exactly what you're talking about music is it's the same way yeah and you notice that with even movies and and anything everything's gotta be it's gotta be everything and yet well not much of anything yeah well i mean look i worked in a movie theater for four years and uh occasionally there would be an interesting movie come along but it was mostly remakes of older movies right comic uh comic book movies like marvel movies right or um big broad comedies right that seemed to be the only those were the only things that would come Exactly. And, and, and the fact that, uh, there's movies where they're remaking remakes mm-hmm. and it's, again, it's that thing is just, they're, they're afraid to take a chance. They already know this made money before. So they'll do it again and make money again. Yeah. But if, if someone comes in with a new script, they don't want to touch that because yeah. it's the unknown. Right. It could be great, but they don't touch it because it's unknown. They can't calculate it. Right. And those movies do get made, but they get, you know, they're independent releases. They get a limited run in theaters because they can't afford to. Occasionally one will make it. And of course it becomes Oscar bait or something like that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the, the main players, the, the the big, the big guys, they don't want to touch it Mm -hmm. because they can't. They're they, afraid they, to they, take the risk. They're, they, they're afraid they to take may, the risk. They may make money on it, but they're, they're, uh, they're afraid to not make money on it. Exactly. And it's too far in that direction. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, it's going to be their undoing. Yeah. I mean, look, I understand it. I understand the mentality, but I just, you know, it would be nice if they just took a chance on something every once in a while. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because because again, like you know, fifty years ago, they were taking chances. Like everybody was taking chances. Oh, this, everything this, had like a sp- co- commercial this, like, things were still 
there were still interesting things amongst it. Well, I mean, look at look at the seventies movies in the seventies. I mean, uh, like Martin Scorsese films, mm-hmm. like uh, Taxi Driver or uh, um, Raging Bull, or all, all those all the those Robert De Niro movies. You know, they weren't guarantees. Nope. But the studio took a chance. Star Wars. Star Wars. He had a hell of a time trying to get that made. Of course. Of course. Now it's, you know, they can pump out one of those movies and they can never quite really make a great one. No. They can make some. They can make one that will make money. Yeah. They can make a decent one, but there's always things like there's always little decisions within the movie that are disappointments, but ultimately are made because they don't want to take too many chances on things. It's it's a little bit too safe. Yeah. That's just the way it exactly. goes. And that that's most people's gripes with uh well well people's gripes with it is that is, that, is that every time they, they try to come up with a, a good a great Star Wars movie and there's always it's always lacking. That's why it's lacking. They mm-hmm. don't want to take a chance. They don't yeah. wanna do something new with it or or, or you know. It's like yeah. they're afraid to make it too great. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was a, uh, uh, a tangent away from Leonard Skinner, but anyway, that's all right. Well, I'm done stomping on the, <laughs> the tangerine crate now. Yeah. So box, uh, whatever. But, uh, anyway, I, I, uh, getting back to the album, I like this album. There were a few weak spots, but, um, ultimately you know, it's a good uh, album. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah. I I think uh they deserve more um more respect than they have gotten as musicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess we'll end the podcast there. Um thank you so much for listening if you uh made it this far. Uh you can check us out on uh, uh or you can drop us a line at uh, polyphonicpressmusic at gmail.com. Check out polyphonicpress.com. And uh, if you want to help out the show, you can do that by going to buymeacoffee.com slash polyphonicpress. And uh, that's about it. Uh, I'm Jeremy Boyd. And I'm John Van Dyke. Take it easy.